to the Momnificent Podcast. This is the place where we help parents live a happy, healthy life with their kids. We're going to show you how to connect with your child and help them even in their most difficult moments as we hear from experts in the field. I'm your host, Dr. Karen Jakubowski, an international speaker, public school principal, and former struggling student. The Momnificent Podcast equips parents with science-based strategies to help you live a happy, healthy life with your kids. Welcome. Her specialty is burnout, vicarious trauma, and compassion fatigue. Three weeks prior to giving birth to triplets, Barbara Ruppel's father died by suicide. Her story was featured in an Emmy Award-winning documentary, Fatal Mistakes, and she shares her story in her recent book, but I didn't get to say goodbye. She's a board-certified expert in traumatic stress, and she's here today to help you understand the effects of trauma, help build your resilience through laughter, optimism, and self-compassion. Barbara, welcome to Momnificent. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me today. I really appreciate it. Did I say your last name right? I should have asked you that before. Was it Rubble? Rubble? It's Rubel, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> Rubel. Okay, I got it. <laughs> and, and Barbara, where are you enjoying Momnif- Momnificent from today? That's a mouthful. Uh, I'm, I'm here in New Jersey. I spent six months in New Jersey and about six months in Boca Raton, Florida. Oh my gosh, you're living my dream. I love that. I'm in Delaware. You're like an hour away. That's so cool. I didn't realize you were that close. That's awesome. What have you done recently that you haven't done for a while that just brings you joy? Well, I'm a keynote speaker. And so for the past 25 years, I'm on the road, on airplanes, traveling across the country, speaking to first responders, essential workers, educators, those in the trenches doing really fabulous work. Uh, But since COVID, I've done mostly virtual. However, in the past month and a half, I've actually done three or four keynotes on the road again. And it brings me such joy to educate and empower professionals who are experiencing burnout, compassion fatigue, secondary traumatic stress, and vicarious trauma. Because if we don't take care of them, then who's going to take care of us? So that's what I'm doing. And they're the ones taking care of so, so many. So how did you get into this work? Well, come back with me to 1986. I'm in the hospital and I'm about to give birth to not one baby, not two, but triplets. When my husband came into the room and told me that my father died by suicide, he had deteriorating discs in his back and couldn't live with the pain any longer. And because of his suicide, it got me propelled into my career. Like so many of us, we do what we do because of something that happened to us when we're young or someone touched our hearts or there's a reason for what we do. But it was the week of September 11th. I was teaching a master's level class at Brooklyn College. I was teaching crisis intervention during the week of September 11th. I was also working as a hospice bereavement coordinator, holding the hands of terminally ill patients and attending funerals. I was even facilitating several support groups. It was a crazy week. And then on the way home from Brooklyn College to my home in New Jersey, I realized I can't hear one more story. I can't, I can't help one more person. I'm done. But I didn't know what it was. 
Well, am I burned out? Am I experiencing compassion fatigue? Am I vicariously traumatized? Am I having a bad hair day? What is going on? And that's when I realized I needed to learn more. And I did just that. I studied thanatology, which is the study of loss and bereavement. And now I provide insight and education to professionals who are so busy working that they, they're they just so burned out. And that's my specialty. That's my dad's loss really propelled me into my career as a speaker. Wow. And you talk about so many things that I think each, we could have multiple podcasts going deep into each area that you just shared, because I think each of them is so important and critical right now. So I'm, I'm, we're going to do our best to hone in on a couple of them to really give our listeners something to really walk away with that can help them today. Because I have never heard more people say they're burnt out, they want to retire, they're on the verge of retiring. Um, this podcast is for moms, but I also work with teachers. And I've seen so many uh, blogs on Facebook right now where parents are just going through tough, tough times with their kids with ADHD, medicines, medicine changes, and their kids are just not who their kids, they know their kids to be, let alone then you add in a spouse conflict and issue and and, and weight on them right now. What... Um, what are your first steps or thoughts in this area for our listeners? I think many of us are burned out because of COVID-19. We did not sign up for, for virtual jobs. And many of us are working virtually, although we're now coming out of it. I think burnout is also caused by an overload of tasks. We are doing too much for too many. And it's, it's constant. It's constant demands. And we're trying to balance work and home. That's why I don't like this work-life balance phrase. I prefer work-life integration. To manage that burnout, we have to realize that if your child has a dentist appointment at one o'clock, you're going to pick them up from school and your boss is going to be okay with your taking that time. It's work-life integration. We also have more social conflicts now more than ever, uh, especially people who think differently than you in regard to certain beliefs and values and political persuasions, social conflicts, and, and not relate, it's, it's not related to trauma exposure. But what's causing it? First, I would say, check out if you feel isolated, if you feel like you can talk to someone, if you don't have any casual time between meetings, it's go from this meeting to that meeting, or from taking your kid to this football game and then uh, ballet school back-to-back -back meetings, um, complex family issues. If you're an educator, you are dealing with children who have families with abuse or single parent um, homelessness. Uh, maybe their parents lost a job, poverty, uh, medical issues. Your families are overwhelmed and now you're an educator. So you're now overwhelmed because you're not trained to help them. And there's a tension you feel in your body because you're trying to stay engaged but you have stress between your colleagues because they're burned out. There's a uh, lack of staff because people are quitting or they're taking more time off or they're retiring early and huge lack of me mental health support. You're not going to your EAP. You're not going to a professional helper. You might feel stigmatized about getting mental health, but we have to remember we're all in this together, especially since COVID. I did tons of trainings on our shared pandemic emotions, the fear we felt, the anxiety, the uncertainty, distress, the need to buy toilet paper, right? Remember that? It wasn't too long ago. It's too much. It, it, we're just 
done. We're just done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so um, I know there's a question that I have for, for you to help us um, walk us with a takeaway in that area. Um, but before we get there, I know you mentioned this word vicarious trauma, and I'm familiar with trauma-informed practices, trauma-informed training, but what, what do you mean by vic- vicarious trauma? Vicarious trauma is when you are with someone who experienced the trauma. So what they experienced is called primary trauma and how they perceive that disturbing experience. They're a death in the family, a serious injury, a violent encounter, and how they react to it. They were directly traumatized. However, when you are helping them, listening to them, or reading a report or something, you, you know, you're vicariously traumatized and experience the same symptoms as trauma. It didn't happen to you. So why are you waking up in the middle of the night sweating and crying or in a panic attack from their story? And what happens is we become obsessively thinking, confused, guilty, out of control, anxious, overwhelmed, restless. We lose things. We have stomach problems. I mean, there's at least 50 things that I can mention just for vicarious trauma. Because what happens to you after listening to these stories of trauma, the way you see your world has changed. Studies show that you hear trauma stories. And what happens is cognitive, the way you think about your world shifts, Mm. the way you think about your place in the world shifts, and you no longer feel safe in your world. You no longer trust other people. The esteem you feel for yourself, you no longer value who you are at work, at home, and, and intimacy. You don't even want to connect with other people. You feel a lack of control. You feel helpless. And your sense of place in the world who am I now? I don't even know who I am. I'm so burned out. I'm experiencing so much secondary trauma. I'm experiencing so much compassion fatigue. There's so much stress. And now on top of that, I'm vicariously traumatized by trying to listen to you and help you with your story. My world has changed and I don't know how to think about it. And that view could be permanent. Is that Is that what we see happen to teachers when they deal day in and day out with the kids who come from the difficult backgrounds and situations and they can't and they're 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 not able to? Is that what ends up like wearing on them and then slanting their view to be able to really be empowered to do their job? Yes, it's the emotional, physical and spiritual transformation in those educators because they're working with those who have experienced some really traumatic situations. Basically, it's an inner, it's, I call it an inner transformation. And it's the cumulative effect of listening and helping and, and being empathetic and compassionate. And you are traumatized because you're human. And then is that where the compassion fatigue comes in? Because we hear that word and maybe some of our listeners are like, okay, I hear that word, but can you help us describe your definition of it? Yeah, Uh, very often people think they clump all these words together. Compassion fatigue is two elements, burnout that we just talked about and secondary traumatic stress. Burnout can happen to anyone in any field at any time, even at home with your family. Burnout can happen to you. Secondary traumatic stress only occurs in those who are working with someone who experienced 
the stress, whatever that was, and it was traumatic stress from abuse or poverty or homelessness, things we talked about, you in listening in being empathetic experience secondary traumatic stress. So compassion fatigue is both burnout and secondary traumatic stress where vicarious trauma is basically emotional residue. It's, it's what's left over from the exposure to the traumatic stories. Mm-hmm. You know, we witness, especially educators, we witness fear, pain, terror. We see kids coming into school where they, they probably haven't bathed in a couple of days or they're hungry. Yeah. It's, it is so hard. It is yeah. just so, anyone listening now, they may think, wow, I really thought I was only burned out. I didn't realize that I was also experiencing secondary traumatic stress or compassion fatigue or vicarious trauma. I, I had no idea. No idea. So how did you come up with your, you call it a fabulous framework for wellness, eight pillars of resilience? How did you, how did you come up with that? Well, I tell you, I do my trainings and my keynotes and I needed an acronym. I needed an acronym to help people build their resilience. That was the main thing. I wanted to help them build their resilience. So I was working with the research and I took all the latest research on resiliency and strength-based and ways to manage stressors in life and trauma. And what I did was created the phrase or the word or acronym, fabulous. F is for flexibility, but F was always about cognitive flexibility. I would teach people how to reframe their thinking and being open-minded, all that stuff that goes along with cognitive flexibility. However, the last year of research, I'd say even the last year and a half, flexibility is about flexibility in the office, hybrid learning, uh, time off. What can you do to keep your employees? So I, I changed that to the newer research. A in Fabulous is about your attitude how to maintain a positive attitude. Where does your um, ad- where does your attitude come from? Where, what biases do you have? There's a history of what brings you to your attitude today and can you change it? B is about keeping your boundaries. Do you keep your boundaries? Are they pushed? Are they shoved? Are they violated? Uh, U is understanding job satisfaction, why you love doing what you do. L is about laughter. That's all the research on having a sense of humor and having joy in your life and and continuing to, to smile even though the world's falling apart around you. O is about being optimistic because so many of us are cynical and pessimistic. U is about being united, being connected with others. All the research points to the word C, but I could not put C in the word <laughs> fabulous, so I made it united. And S is self-compassion. It's all Kristen Neff's work on being kind to yourself, especially when you screw up. So mm-hmm. that's my fabulous principle. And during my, my keynotes, I have hats and I have big buttons that say, ask me why I'm fabulous. And sometimes it's so funny. I am at a, a totally different conference where I'm not even speaking. I'm just there as an attendee and someone will scream, you're fabulous. And I'm like, you are too. It's so that is so cute. I love that. I love that. And I have, I have Kristen Neff's book, um, some of her mindfulness practices. And man, do we need more of that into our in our school system. It should be sitting there as important as those academic lessons these teachers are teaching. I'm convinced. I'm, 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 on, 
I believe that wholeheartedly. Um, so are your eight strategies to build these coping skills that you just shared? I was thinking and wondering, you know what? I wonder if this is something parents and teachers could teach kids. Oh, yes. Yes. Wouldn't that uh, be many, awesome? They, but they do. They, they were already doing it because yeah. I do a lot of parent groups and educator groups and they just modify it for the kids. I love that. So like, you know, let, let's just take attitude, for instance. Okay. So that's, that's one of, of the principles. We could go into a child's attitude. Do they even know what attitude is? Or are they just sitting back looking at giving you a look? You know, Oprah Winfrey says the greatest discovery of all time is that a person can change their attitude by merely, but change their future by merely changing their attitude. Mm -hmm. So if we share this with kids, it's about goal setting. It's about your future. It's about walking in a positive attitude and then show them by example, model that at home. What is your attitude as a parent around your child? You wonder why they're in a bad mood. Well, what is, what's your mood? So also like when I'm teaching the fabulous principle and I talk about attitude, so we could just stay with attitude. I help the adult make meaning of their career. So if you're working with a kid, you could say, how are you making meaning of being in school? How are you making meaning of the friendships? So for let's take your job, for instance. Okay, you're an educator, you're a principal. How do you make meaning of your career? You have to think about your job narrative and what it means to you to be a principal. You, you interpret that feeling of I'm a principal. I, I reflect on my beliefs, my values, my assumptions, my worldview, how my role as a principal impacts me. And then... You take that meaning and you say, how am I at the end of this? Am I experiencing personal growth? Am I experiencing post-traumatic growth from all the stuff that I'm going through? So how do you put that into, into words? I would move even the child to put it into words. So an adult would say, or you might say, I help children and families and can improve their life. I'm financially able to provide support to my family. Um, my life's work is significant to others. My job gives me space to live my values. So what can the child say in that? You know, I know that if I study hard, that my dream of being a, and you fill in the blank, can come to pass, right? Mm -hmm. It's about making meaning. So how do we make meaning? Spiritually, you might say, well, being in the school system or doing what I do, I share the same values as my friends. A child can do the same thing. Compassion, I, I help with the food bank, or a child might say, I help my friend with their homework. Uh, lifestyle changes, an adult might say, you know what, since I found meaning in my work, I drink less. Maybe a, a child will say, I found God, who knows? Um, they value life, they don't take life for granted. Family bonds, maybe your family means more to you than ever or you value relationships, you live life to the fullest, um, you have greater perspective, maybe you're not upset by the small stuff, personal growth, you have strength, changed priorities. Same, I think the, what we do in this meaning making for adults, we can apply to kids, just adapt it to their age and developmental level. Yeah, oh, I so love that. And I think, um, especially as educators, we're in such a unique position to be able to teach that to the kids. And so if we can constantly, A, take care of ourselves first and give ourselves those tools and those strategies like you're saying, and then we can help our children with this, or even as a parent, as you're taking 
um, this for yourself. You're modeling, you're showing them you are, you're the number one model for your kid. So as you, parent, mom, educator, listening, as we embolden these strategies that you shared, we in turn are teaching our kids, hey, this is how it is, this is how it can be, and this is, this is a way to help maybe in something that they're struggling with that could be similar to something we're struggling with. Right. And also, I think with, with attitude, we, we could incorporate workplace spirituality into the workplace, which has nothing to do with religion. So when you incorporate spirituality, you know, it's just a positive workplace culture and an environment of trust, and that's going to support your well-being. So mm-hmm. applying that to kids, you know, keeping them spiritually aware, who are you in the world? What are your values and your beliefs? How, how do you, you walk in that positive energy to be more productive? Whether we're a child, a teenager, or, or an adult, or, or an older person, near the end of life, you know, we're still as human beings, spiritual. And I think we need to just be mindful of our values and beliefs and walk in our own truth and, and have a place of integrity, you know, to know the difference between right and wrong. And I think so many of us feel like our jobs were connected to something bigger than ourselves. And, and even for children or adolescents, when they're in school, they're connected to that school system and that's bigger than themselves because it's propelling them into their future. Yeah. Yeah. And so often we see kids get so upset when the summer comes. They're like, I don't know if next year is going to be this good. I had such a great class. I love my teacher so much. And they deal with those like fears of the unknown or sometimes summer isn't as structured as the school day is. And so we really see some of those mixed emotions right at the end of the school year uh, for our kids. Yeah. But if we know that's coming, then as adults and educators, what are we doing to mitigate the impact of that stressful experience? Yeah. What that we, we shouldn't wait to, to the end them. of summer to say, okay, here's your reading list. You know, what are we doing uh, to make sure? And that doesn't focus in on the kids. That focuses in on the parents. Yeah. That's about um, educating parents on uh, in two months, we're going to be hitting summer. It's only April now, but, you know, school's over in June or it's March and school's over in May. Um, these are things that you might expect. Now, what can you do to alleviate some of the stressors that your kids might be facing? Here are some options. Yeah. And knowing that it's okay to be open about what they're facing and what they're feeling. And now what we can do to support them. But I think it's, it's so hard because parents feel inadequate. Yeah. And they don't know how to help their kids. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're fearful. I see, I do a lot of trainings for uh, professionals and then also for the community and the ones in the community, I see in the chat bar, uh, the questions, you know, I'm afraid my kids on on the internet all the time and doesn't talk to me, or or I see a lot of that, or uh, my, my, my kids are so influenced by their friends, I don't feel a connection anymore. Well, okay, what can you do to change that? How can you modify that behavior? What can you implement? What are you doing to help the situation rather than just complaining about this is the problem. What are all the solutions? Throw it all out there like a big mind map. I love these mind maps I do with my, in my trainings, throw it all out there that I could do this possibly that, and you have to work within the, the child's um, age and developmental level and where they are, any learning disabilities and, and work to what they need because sometimes they don't even know what they need and they're searching. Yeah. So bring that back 
to a search where you have the answers. I love that. So there's possibly one parent, teacher, educator, grandparent listening right now, and they just are feeling that burnout. They're feeling that compassion fatigue. Um, what's one thing you, you want to share with them to leave them with today? Oh, gratitude. Gratitude. It, it's a trait and it's a disposition. And we could thank people around us. Uh, we could express our gratitude or be thankful for something that's happened or is happening in your life right now. Because all the studies on gratitude show that it reinforces your self-control when you are being burned out. It increases your patience. So, and a lot of us are not patient right now. It helps you to be honest with who you are and your place in the world. It fosters humility. It, It generates a sense of connection. So focus in on what are you grateful for? And then also, what is your greatest strength? And how can you put that into practice to have a positive attitude? You might say, you know what? I'm careful. I recognized a bias that I was feeling towards someone that created a negative attitude and I switched that around or um, I was brave. That's another strength. Even when others felt differently, I spoke up for what's right. So move into your strengths, gratitude, spirituality, get enough sleep, um, exercise, mindfulness, uh, progressive relaxation and breathing, health screenings. Also, visualize peaceful images, these images of awe, or go outside, look up at the sky, look at the trees, and breathe. Take a breath. I had triplets, and when they were three, I get pregnant again, and now I have four kids under the age of four. I didn't know what it meant to breathe. I was so busy. And the noise, it was always so noisy. So when I would go outside for a minute, I appreciated the quiet. It was such a gift. I was so grateful for that. So if we're going to say, how am I going to deal with this burnout? Now this new phrase Barbara taught me about compassion fatigue or vicarious trauma, what am I going to do? Well, The research shows prayer, meditation, listening to uplifting music, drumming, being around positive people, burning sage, uh, meaningful traditions, inspirational books. You know, find an energy sauce, but also know your strengths. My greatest strength is love of learning. So I'm constantly reading the research. My second strength is wisdom, giving that away. That's why I'm an educator. That's why I'm a keynote speaker. So know your strengths, know your strengths. But I'd like to just ask everyone who's listening or watching today one question. Imagine that you met an older version of yourself right now in this moment. What sage advice would they give you? What sage advice would your older self share with you? Because today is important right now in this moment. It's important because as, as Caesar Pavey says, we never remember days. We only remember moments. So what does this moment mean to you? You know, people are here today listening to this podcast or they're watching on YouTube and we had 30 minutes together. Now, what are they going to do with it? Mm-hmm. Find meaning in this and move forward in life in a positive way. 
love that. Barbara, thank you so much. I just want to end with one thing to ask you. What is your greatest passion right now? What gets up what gets you up in the morning and just makes you smile? My granddaughter, Everly. She mm-hmm. is about 19 months and she is what we call in the Rubel family a girl. I have four sons. Joy, I have a girl. Finally. Finally. That's my joy. Thanks. That's so sweet. Well, Barbara, thank you so much. I, I, I love the question that you asked us. What would our older experienced self t- say to us today? And I really feel like if we just stop and give ourselves a moment to even think of that today, it will be the very message we need to help us make it through today and it be the layer upon layer of learning that will open things up for us and and create a better today and a better tomorrow. Um, so how can someone find and follow you? Well, I, I'm on LinkedIn. My name, Barbara Rubel, R-U-B-E-L. Uh, also, my um, website is uh, griefworkcenter.com, G-R-I-E-F-W-O-R-K-C-E-N-T-E-R.com. Uh, my email is my name, Barbara Rubel at barbararubel.com. And I, I have so many articles and I've written books and things, so they could just go uh, on the internet and type in Barbara Rubel or, or read my book. But I didn't say goodbye, helping families after a suicide. And please, if you buy it, donate it to your library. Too many people cannot afford to buy books today. And suicide is a major problem. So if you've been touched by suicide as I am, I'm, I'm so sorry for your loss. And also, I just appreciate everyone listening today. So thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Barbara. Hey there, it's Karn. I hope that you're enjoying the show. And by the way, if you're a mom who wants to learn how to help your child when they're struggling behaviorally or facing challenges in school, get started today by getting my free short video course, Three Steps to Happy Healthy Kids at www.educationalimpactacademy.com forward slash free video. If you're new here or you haven't done this yet, this is definitely the first step to get started in learning how to have a happy, healthy life with your kids. So head on over to www.educationalimpactacademy.com forward slash free video and grab your free gift today. Well, that's all we've got for this episode of the Momnificent Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, I would be honored if you would subscribe and rate if you really liked it. I know wherever you're listening right now, it might not be the best time to leave a comment, but feel free to leave a question, a review, or a comment at any time. And until next time, remember, don't worry, be happy.